Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our podcast with others. Now, we take you to the pulpit of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. Today, we're going to talk about the idea of starting over when you don't feel like it. Starting over when you don't feel like it. Let me ask you this as we get into our thoughts. How many of you like a really good comeback story? We have a really good comeback story. Let's talk about a couple of these comeback stories. If you're an Auburn fan, everybody's getting real nervous, right? If you're an Auburn fan, raise your hand. All right, finish this phrase. Kick six. Okay. If you're an Alabama fan, raise your hand. Okay, finish this phrase. Second and twenty-six. Twenty-six. Both in, in your in your in your love for football, both of those moments are great what? Comeback stories. Last second, last few seconds of the game, you know, you, you're not sure what's gonna happen, you feel like there's no way you're gonna win, everything just looks awful, and all of a sudden in that moment there is victory and immense joy. Now for those of you that aren't maybe football fans, I thought of a couple more. I'm a big Braves fan. How many of you remember? The Sid Green Slide. Okay, I mean, I was little. Like, I, I, I remember it more from Nathan's up there, both hands, like he remembers it. I, I, I remember it more so from, uh, from you know, videos from, from them instead of remembering it live. But I've actually got on my wall in my office, I've got a signed copy of that from Sid Green uh, entitled The Slide. Uh, how about... Um, Kurt Gibson's home run. And if you remember that, great, great, great comeback stories. We love good and great and, and just heartwarming comeback stories. And if you think about it, the book of Ruth is very much one of those stories. Let's start in chapter 1 and verse 1. And let's set the stage for what happens in the book of Ruth. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the name of his children were Mahalan and Kewan. They were Ephraimites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Elimelech, uh, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, uh, named Ophrah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about ten years, both Mahalan and Helon also died. And Naomi was left with her without her two sons and her husband. So here is a, a lady, or a family really, a family, that they're as a family, they're facing kind of a difficult moment, they're facing a famine in the land, and so as a family they decide, hey, we're going to make a decision to do what's best for us, we're going to move. Some of you can relate with those type of stories, right? You're, 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 you've got situations in life and you decide, hey, this is a situation in my life that I've got to do what's best for us, and we've got to move. And we've got to make some changes. And they do that. They go to Moab. And while they're there, while they're living their life, their sons, they fall in love. 
and they marry these two two women, and they they just enjoy life together. They're living that life, they're, they're painting that life portrait, things are, are going well, and then all of a sudden, within a couple of verses, all the men in this family die. All the men in this family die. You know that there are certain times in our life where, where we're just not flat on our back. The rug is just jerked right from under us. And we don't know which way is up and which way is down. And we're just, and we've all faced those moments. We've all faced those moments. And sometimes we just feel that there's really no direction in which we can go. That life makes any sense. And I would imagine for Naomi and her daughter-in-law, this was very much that type of moment. It was a moment where and it was a defining moment for them. Because in, in our culture, in our culture, Women are, are, are viewed a whole lot different than they were in this time. These women really and truly had no rights. They had no true possessions. They really couldn't do anything or go anywhere on their own. They, it is just culturally, you know, relevant for them to be tied to a husband. That is what gave their life worth. Now, you may agree with that or not, but that, that's just how it was in this time. And so Naomi decides, Naomi decides that she's going to go back home. Well, let's pick up verse 6. When Naomi, uh, when Naomi heard in Boaz that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughter-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughter-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant each of you, um, may the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. And they kissed, and she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud. As if losing their husbands weren't enough, they had to go through the process of, of leaving their home. Leave the things that were familiar to them. And I would imagine, I would imagine that they were all maybe going through that, that phrase that we started with. They're starting over when they really don't feel like it. So this morning I want to look at a few things from this story, from this entire story. About how do we, when we face those moments of difficulty, when we've had the rug yanked out from under us and we're just kind of lying there and we're trying to get our bearings, we're trying to figure out how in the world do we make sense of these things that are going on around us, how do I take those first few steps to getting back into a positive direction? Well, here's the first thing I want to give you this morning. Find someone else who is hurting and be a friend of them. Find someone else who is hurting and be afraid of them. Now, the Bible teaches this lesson over and over and over in so many places and in so many different contexts that it is so important for us in our lives as children of God to help other people, help those who are in different and maybe worse situations than us. But when you think about the culture that we live in, our culture very much says look out for number one. Take care of yourself first. One of the uh, phrases that's used 
today that, that I see a lot and then I just cringe every time I see it and hear it is live your best life. Live your best life. Where's the focus in that phrase? On who? On yourself. Live your best life. Do whatever makes you happy. Don't worry about anybody else. Just worry about yourself. Jesus says, though, in Matthew, he says to love your neighbor how? As you love yourself. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, I mean this very jokingly this morning. How many of you have a very healthy view of yourself? How many of you love yourself? I've, I've always heard, of, not always, but I've heard a few people say along the way, no one loves me as much as I do. And if you feel that way about no one loves me as much as I do. And if you had to on a scale of one to ten, on a scale of one to ten, how much do you love yourself? Is it a healthy love? Now, whatever that number might be, I've got to be careful with this statement because like half of you live within a rock of my house. On a scale of one to ten, how much do you love your neighbor? Is it anywhere close to the number of how much you love yourself? How many of you how many of you know all the neighbors that live around you? How many of you know the name? Love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Boy, if we practice that and we all live that, how much different, how much more positive would our lives be? You see, I truly believe in those difficult moments, those moments that we're struggling to figure out how do I move on from this maybe traumatic experience, from this loss in my life. I really believe that we find value and, and, and growth and, and even healing when we make it a point to be friends with other people who might be struggling. Now, if you look in verse 16 and verse 17 of this first chapter, you read the... the uh, this would almost be the poster verses of this particular story. Look at verse 16 and 17. As, as Naomi is urging her daughter-in-laws to go home, to go back to their original home. What does Ruth say? You, you know these words. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or turn my back on you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die. I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Do you think that Ruth was hurting? Do you think that Ruth was struggling in the loss of all these people that she loved? Yes, just as much as Naomi. And what does she make it a point to do? She makes it a point to not give up on that friendship of someone that she loves so very dearly. You see, God uses and blesses people when they don't get wrapped up in themselves. We help ourselves out of trouble many times when we decide to help others out of trouble as well. Another way to think about this is many times in our life when we're struggling, how many of you, when, when you're just having a, a hard, bad day and then you're kind of struggling with things, how many of you just, you, you just enjoy staying home and staying away from people? 
anybody like this. It's just it's just easier to deal with life somewhere sometimes when there's not as many people bothering you, right? But really and truly, how often does that make you feel better about the situation? To just stay at home and kind of dwell on it. Many times you find your relief from that struggle when you get out and you start doing and helping and being with other people. We need to be unselfish and minister to those in need, even when we don't feel like starting over. Because in those moments, I believe God finds ways to bless us. So here's the second thing. Since you're going to have to take risk in life, take something for God. For God. If you're going to have to take risk in life, take something for God. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about Blair, but I promise you I got permission to tell this story before I got into it this morning. But, you know, last week I said something about her, and I'm like, now, if I want Blair to know this, I'll tell her. And then Blair went back and listened to my sermon from on Sunday, and I got in trouble. So I'll make sure you clear this before. So we were on a church trip when we first moved to Arkansas, and we were with all the kids, and then what this... Uh, places in Little Rock did is they, uh, some churches rented out this big water park for a big, like, night water park church youth group, just big night. And there were some huge water slides at this place. And I finally convinced Blair to, to grab a float and go up to the, one of these big water slides with me. And she was a little nervous about it. We're walking up the, the steps of the slide, and this little boy, who couldn't have been six or seven years old, looks up at Blair and he goes, I have a mom just like you. And Blair grins real big and she goes, oh, a fun one? He goes, no, a scared one. <laughs> How many of you have had moments like that in your life? Like you know that, that hey, there's some excitement and fun to be had, but I'm just a little apprehensive about pulling the trigger. Okay? We all have moments in our life where we have to take risks to live life. So if you're going to have to take risks in your life anyway, why not make sure a lot of those risks are for the sake of the kingdom of God? You see, it's one thing to just take care of others. And great blessings come from that. But even more powerful blessings come from taking risks and doing things for God when you really don't feel comfortable doing those things, when it's out of your comfort zone, when it's a struggle for you. And the reason I want to bring this up is because in the life of Ruth, I believe Ruth looked at her mother-in-law and she found reality in her religion. Right. You follow that? Yeah. She found reality in her religion. It was not just something that she believed in, it was something that she did. Her, her religion, it motivated her to live a certain way. And as Ruth watched this, her life changed. To the point that she looks at her mother-in-law and says, Now, your God is going to be my God. She said, I can go back home where it's comfortable. I can go back to my family, to my people. But she said, No, we're going to be two widows that walk back in the home with nothing to our name. And we're going to live this life together. All in the name of God. What did she say? She said, if I leave you even in death, and God will She put it all out on the line and took a risk for God. I love the words from Hebrews chapter 11, where it says, God rewards those who earnestly seek Him. 
Now, I think those, those two words, earnestly seek, are so important because, well, the first thing I thought of is when I hear the word seek, there's a game that comes in mind. What is it? Hide and go seek. You want to get a bunch of kids, like, occupied, play hide and go seek. And those kids, listen, those kids, when they are playing hide and go seek, they are earnestly seeking the kids who are hiding. Earnestly seeking. Have you ever noticed, though, it's not called hide and go look? Hide and go look? Ladies, is there a difference in walking around the door looking for something in your mind and then you're seeking something? It's a lot more intense when you're actually seeking that one thing, right? I believe the same is true with God. We can look for God, but we can earnestly seek God. And there's a difference. There's a major difference in our life. Earnestly seeking God, and we're going to have to take some risk from time to time. And Ruth risked following Naomi back to the land of her God and her people. And it paid great dividends. Let's look at the end of the story. This particular verse, or group of verses, is going to wrap up this point and lead us right in to the next. Let's go to chapter 4, starting in verse 4. It said, Then Boaz announced to the elders and all the people, Today you are witnesses that I have brought from I have bought from Naomi all the property of the Limelight, Kilon, and Mahalan. I have also acquired Ruth, the Moabite, Mahalan's wife, as my wife, in order to maintain the name of the dead with his property, so that his name will not disappear from among his family or from his hometown. Today, you are witnesses. Then the elders and all the people at the gate said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your home, like Rachel and Liam, who together built up the family of Israel. May you have stayed in Ephraim and be famous in Bethlehem through the offspring the Lord gives you. May the young woman, by this young woman, may your family be like Perez, uh, whom Tamar bore to Judah. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. Follow this part of the story. I love this. The woman said to Naomi, the woman said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better than you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The woman living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. This story starts out with a husband and a wife with their two sons leaving their home and going to a distant land because challenges had come up and they had to do what was best for their family. They married outsiders, okay? Moabite women who are not Israelites. They married outsiders, which really, truthfully, is, is, is wrong to do. But they marry them, and then they die. This family goes through this tragic, upset in life. Ruth sticks by her mother-in-law. She takes a risk for God. And God blesses her 
to the point that her marriage becomes part of the lineage of David, which becomes part of the lineage of Christ, which becomes part of our spiritual lineage. Because you see, like, like Ruth, we are outsiders. By our own will, many times we're sinners. And if it wasn't for our Boaz, our Christ, who said, I'm going to buy you to the cross. I'm going to do something that takes away the, the bondage of your sin, that takes away the idea that you're an outsider, and I'm going to adopt you into my family so that you have purpose, so that you have meaning, so that you have life. And we see that when we take risks for God, for God, when we put our life on the line for God, that He will reward us. And we can expect great things from Him. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not teaching prosperity gospel here. I'm not saying that just because you do great things for God, you're going to be completely and, and just enormously blessed in this life by worldly things. That's not the truth. But I do know the retirement plan for following God is out of this world. <laughs> and some of the people that pass you by. So I give you some lessons for us. We don't feel like you. There are going to be times that we're going to struggle. We can't get away from this. But there is a way to refocus, to find new purpose, and new blessings in Christ. And I hope through our study today, if you are in that situation, that you find some strength from the Word of God. And are able to do those things. Let's close in a word of prayer. God, I thank you for our time together. I thank you for the love that you show us, for the mercy and grace that flows from your throne, for the forgiveness that we receive, for the fact that you have redeemed us. You have brought us into this kingdom, into this family, despite our differences, despite our struggles, despite our sins. You gave us an avenue to find forgiveness to find hope, to find somewhere to belong. And this morning, God, we praise your name for that. God, I pray a very special prayer this morning for those that are struggling in this church family. We, we spent time thinking and talking about that last week, and I know that there are those of this, of this family that walk into this room today, and their hearts are heavy with, with situations that they struggle with, with family members that are sick, with loved ones that they miss, God. I just pray. I just pray that first you'll be a shield around them. That you'll protect them, God. That you'll give them peace. That you'll help them find understanding in moments that they're not sure why things are happening. I pray for those blessings for them, God. But God, I also know that no matter how hard we try to find understanding, there are just going to be times that we fall. We fall under the weight of the worries of this life. And in those moments, strengthen us with the ability to stand up, to find our footing, to slowly start over. We know that that only comes in many ways, in its fullness. A relationship with you. So help us strengthen that relationship every day, God. To continue to be a student, to study your word, to earnestly and diligently seek you every single day of our life. 
pray this morning for those that are spiritually sick, who need to be healed. I pray that they again look to you and find healing in your forgiveness and mercy. I pray for those who have never received that through the waters of baptism. Your son says to believe and be baptized and we shall be saved. And if, if there are those here today who haven't done that, God, may your spirit move within them and convict them, God, to the point that they know that they need your salvation and they need your forgiveness and that they will put into practice the words of your son. Thank you for all that you do for us, God. It's in your son's name we pray. There is a God. If this program has been beneficial to you, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast provider. Also, we'd love for you to leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist us in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. We'd love even more for you to join us in person. We are located at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. Our Sunday worship services are at 1030 a.m., and 6 o'clock p.m., with Bible classes on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. You can also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Be sure to listen again, and until then, remember, we are a Church of Christ caring for our community.